I'm Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by Jordan, as you know, as Texans Thoughts, and Kenneth. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Excited of how the first round, first round went for the Texans. I think there's a lot of talent for us, so I'm excited for day two. Yeah, day two, ready to go. Um, it, I, I watched the ABC broadcast with my mom because, you know, her favorite thing is watching the moms cry. And so, because I'm 5'5", five, <laughs> I'm five, five. it's not like that was going to happen with me. So... And I knew that all these players like we didn't have a chance for. So, you know, I watched the didn't have to watch Mel Kuyper for a day. I'll take it. Yeah. And it's kind of like a graduation. So I'm sure moms really like the NFL draft. Yeah, it was a fun day. Um, so from a Houston Texans fan perspective, I think the draft went about as well as it could possibly go. So you have AJ Epinesa, Yeter Grossmatos, Zach Bond, Marlon Davis, Terrell Lewis. Grant Delpit, Justin Blacklock, Neville Gallimore. All these guys are available. And there's also like multiple corners as well. As well. There's other safeties available too, like Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, and Ashton Davis. So, you know, like there's a lot of talent left right here for 40 at Houston. And the draft had a big run on tackles and big run on wide receivers. And it kind of allowed this to, to set Houston up in a really good spot at pick number 40. Uh, so Jordan, do you think, there's any ch- did you think there was any chance Houston was going to trade up today after you know the the t- the tweets went out from Diane Rossi I believe that's her name that Bill O'Brien was uh, calling teams about potentially trading up. My heart really didn't want us to trade up because of the low draft capital that we already have, but my mind was telling me you know this sounds exactly what Bill O'Brien would do. It sounds like the exact type of move that he would say. <sighs> screw the draft picks. We're just going to trade up for one and say, screw the rest of them. So part of me thought that they would, but also part of me thought that was a stupid idea. So I'm glad that they didn't. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad that they didn't. What did you think? Anna? You know, I can't complain. Like this was a, a really good draft for us. It When I started seeing the rumors that Bill O'Brien was going to make a sense, I was like, this is such a smoke screen. Like this can't be true. Like, like who would we trade? What would we trade? Like, why would we trade? Which all, none of those questions really have ever bothered Bill O'Brien. But this was just like, is like, there's nothing to move. We would be taking away a piece that is like an asset to this team currently. I I didn't really take much stock into it, fortunately. But uh, glad to see nothing out happened yet so far. Yeah, I kind of think it's also one of the situations where. Anytime Bill O'Brien makes a phone call or even like picks up his phone at all, there's a report that Bill O'Brien is active in trade talks after, you know, training DeAndre Hopkins and Clowney and training for Brand Cooks. And so any sort of like semblance of a phone call, it sounds like it's getting leaked and it's gonna become big news and everybody's gonna be you know, holding on to their butts, um, preparing for something to happen. But I'm personally glad they didn't trade up. I don't I didn't really see anybody like like there where they were at, like to move up from like forty to you know fifteen or so and draft like Kinlaw, for example, or move up from forty to, I guess whenever Jacksonville drafted at um, twenty to take Chase on. Like they're just, I just really didn't see like it was worth giving up 
you know, a, two third round picks or something, or a third round pick and Will Fuller to draft one of those guys necessarily. Um, even though Fuller trading him would be kind of a little bit more interesting, but would a team even want to take that? So I, I didn't really see anything worth trading for 40 and, uh, from 40, and so I'm glad it kind of worked how they did. Um, Jordan, was, was there anybody that you really wanted to see Houston trade up for if they were going to make that move? Yeah, my initial thoughts for Kinlaw, I thought that he had some injury issues and maybe that would have dropped him to the mid-20s, but then that didn't happen. He got picked up at 14, I believe. And then the other guy, like you mentioned, was Caleb on Chase on. He was falling. And then right when he got to that 20th pick, I thought, if he falls a couple more, I would definitely be down for us to trade up for him. But then he got taken by the Jaguars, and, and that really sucks for us. But, yeah, so those were the two defensive linemen that I really wanted us to trade up for if we were going to. What about you, Kenneth? Yeah, I, the Jaguars had a really good day today. So I think they're going to bed in a lot better place than when they woke up. Um, I I was watching Patrick Queen fall, and you know he got taken at 28 to the Baltimore Ravens, and I can already see Ray Lewis getting on the phone to speak with Patrick Queen at the, the moment to talk to him about everything he needs to know. Um, that was a player I would think would have fit in really well and would have sunset um, uh, Bernardrick McKinney. Uh, I've, we've heard rumors about Bernardrick McKinney being traded, and that would have been an opportunity to make that happen. Um, one of my favorite players in the draft is Brandon Ayuk. I was hoping he was falling and falling, and I think he's up there in the class with like Henry Ruggs and C.D. Lamb, but he got taken at 25 to San Francisco, so maybe I get to see him in the future, but that's a that was a really good player that they took there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that makes sense um, from both of y'all, and I, I really do think it, it worked as good as it could for Houston. Um, so from like the league as a whole, what did you think was the biggest surprise of the 2020 NFL draft, Kenneth? Yeah, so the number one pick that surprised me was Damon Arnett. Um, he is a cornerback from Ohio State, and of course, of course, he goes to the Raiders. Like, if anyone's going to stir the pot, it's the the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, they took him at 19, and I didn't have him until the back end of the second round. I really liked him at 90 for us. That would have been a good pick. Uh, the main question is, is that he probably wasn't seeing the number one player uh, that he was playing against because mm-hmm. that was going to be guarded by Jeff Okuda. And they also had players that were able to rush the passer. So those balls were coming out quick whenever they were playing against Ohio State. So my question like to him is, is he a number one corner? Or is he just – I mean, he was number two on his own team. And then I think that there are a couple other guys. I, I liked Noah. I can't. I'm not going to pronounce his last uh, last name. The cornerback from Miami. I thought that was an, an interesting pick at 30. Uh, but the other most surprising one for me has to be Jordan Love going to Green Bay. Green Bay trading up, taking the pick that was actually ours from Miami to get the next next quarterback for them. Yeah, time is a flat circle, isn't it? After. Aaron Rodgers sat there and waited and got picked up to back up Brett Favre. No, same thing's happening to him. I guess what, 15 years later it's been. And yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty much the exact same sort of situation that he found himself in. And we were talking on the discord and somebody asked what would be the funniest team for Rodgers to go to in like two seasons or whatever. And I said, the New York jets where he just follows, you know, Brett's footsteps exactly. And you know, 2022 <laughs> two or three or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was such an interesting pick. I, I like Jordan Love. He, he could be really good. He could also just like sit forever. I 
uh, I don't think he has some of the intangibles to the players he's being compared to. Did you like Jordan Love, Jordan? Um, I thought that his 2018 tape was amazing. And then his 2019 tape, he lost a lot of uh, starters on that offense. I think they changed up their scheme. And so his 2019 tape was really inconsistent, really sad. Or not sad, but really bad. So I think it's a it's a high potential pick. I like what the Packers did because Rodgers is getting up there. You can't really count on him for much longer. I think he's got definitely got a couple more years left in him for sure. But it's really good to get that high potential QB and start grooming him. And I don't think they had that many needs i think their biggest one was wide receiver and with how deep this class is i definitely think they can pick one up in the second round so i like the pick from them yeah that's a good way to look at it also i kind of think the packers were you know really overrated last year if you look at kind of those high variant stats and you know they did win 13 games and they did go to the nfc championship but i think they're like the worst 13 win team i've ever seen and so it's like i think they're going to drop off next year um kind of no matter what they did in the first round anyways too so it's it's weird. It's a weird spot to be in where you kind of want to maximize what you can get with Rodgers, but at the same time, you have to think about the future and kind of balance them both together. Um, I will say about Arnett, one thing that I learned last year at the Raiders with Mayock and Gruden is that they're the biggest hipsters in the NFL draft. And so like by <laughs> taking Clyde and Farrell at number four last year, or number three, whichever it was, and they also drafted that guy in the sixth round that nobody had even heard of before. Like Even Mel Kuyper didn't know who the guy was. And so the Raiders are going to constantly do that. Like they'll they'll be in the in the draft room spinning vinyls and sipping iced coffees and picking guys <laughs> and surprising the entire league as often as they can. I I kind of agree that the love pick was the most surprising one. Um, I think it's a it's a very rational way to put it, Jordan. I just I thought it was surprising considering the first round talent available at wide receiver and that their second wide receiver has been you know Lazar and uh, and Geronimo Allison for a few years. What did you think was the most surprising pick in the first round, Jordan? For me, the most surprising pick, it was surprising, but it also wasn't surprising, but it was Jordan Brooks. The Seahawks took him, and it's just a typical Seahawks pick. Just someone who's a second or third rounder. You know, they did it with Rashad Penny two years ago. Then they did um, LJ Collar last year. And so they really, they have like a completely different big board than every other team. They're really scheme heavy and really potential heavy. And I see the potential with Jordan Brooks. He's a great athlete, but I think he's someone who needs to work on his instincts as a linebacker and needs to work on getting off blocks. And it's interesting. They have Bobby Wagner there. They have um, KJ Wright, I think that's his name. So maybe they're trying to draft for their replacements. But I don't know. I thought that was definitely a bit of a reach. I thought you could get him in the second or third round even. And that was over Patrick Queen too. So I thought that was a better fit. So yeah, that was definitely the craziest one for me. Well, yeah. Yeah, I like both their I like their linebackers too. Um, I guess I don't know what they what their plans are on defense. I don't know if Brooks can rush the passer at all either. I don't know if he's just kind of like a, a chase and tackle sort of guy or how they could potentially use him at. But their linebacker position is good. I completely forgot about Rashad Penny too, and he played. I think he only played he played ten games last year, had sixty five carries, and he really hasn't done anything yet um, in his time there. But yeah, Seattle constantly does kind of bizarre things like this too. They love kind of like high potential athletic players and they're better like in the mid rounds of drafts, it seems like, than they are in the first round. Mm-hmm. So my the next, next thing I want to talk about was my fa- the favorite pick in the draft and really the only thing I, like the most important thing I wanted to see in the first round was Derek Brown go to Carolina. I have a friend who's a Panthers fan. He was really hoping... Uh, Jeff Okuda would fall there, or they would take Isaiah Simmons, which potentially happened as a Keekley replacement. 
but instead they took Brown and I don't know. I again like he reminds me of Fletcher Cox and I didn't realize he already weighed three thirty five. Um and also Carolina's always had that long reign of first round or second round interior defensive line picks that don't really work out. Like Starla Tule and K1 Short and Coney Ingley. But they've had flashes, Vernon Bellers, another guy, but another one's been consistent Pro Bowl player. And so I think Derek Brown could do that. And then tomorrow they could even draft Marlon Davidson too and pair the both together, which would be uh, which would just be like the best like source of friendship in the NFL I can think of. <laughs> so that was the one pick I, I love more than any. Did you have a, a favorite pick, Jordan? Yeah, I'm going to give you two. My first one was the Cardinals taking Isaiah Simmons. I think he's one of the freakiest players to ever come out in in like the last decade. And he's just a positionless defender. And the fact that he stole, that the Cardinals stole them, stole him from the Jaguars who were rumored to want to have taken him at nine the fact that they stole him at eight was perfect because I would hate to have to deal with um, Simmons two times a year. So I really like that. And man, the Cardinals are making it real, real tough on me to be my second favorite team or even my favorite team. Um, but then the second pick that I really liked was Javon Kinlaw from the Niners. I'm a big Kinlaw fan. And I just like what they, they did um, over the offseason because what they did is they, they had to pay DeForest Buckner and they didn't want to do that. They got out of that by trading him for the number 13 overall pick for the Colts, which I think first of all was a steal. So that they got out of that contract and then they traded down one pick and picked up, I think it was pick number 117. Mm-hmm. So like a borderline top 100 pick for one going down one pick and then still getting a stud at Kinlaw. Like they basically traded Buckner for Kinlaw and then a top 100 pick. Like that's crazy to me. I think that's just great GMing. And I really think BOB's got he's got to take some notes on how they did that. That was, that was crazy. Yeah, and they extended Armstead too as well. So they have Armstead, mm. Kinlaw. Um, Weatherspoon is all right on the interior. They still have D four too. And so they're string that in Bosa as well. And Bosa's going to probably be like a J.J. Watt caliber player who could have potentially 20 sacks a year. And so that pass rush that led their pass defense last year um, is still going to be really good next year too. And so, yeah, I think they executed that perfectly too. The other thing I'm seeing here for... So I know we mentioned Seattle, but Wagner, Wright, and Michael Kendricks are their three linebackers. And they're 29, 29, 30 years old, and Wright's the oldest at 30. So I guess they're looking just to to get some youth at that position and teach him a little bit or whatever, and who knows. Um, but yeah, I, I like both those decisions a lot, too. Those are good ones. Kenneth, what was your favorite pick? So I really like Justin Jefferson at 22, the Vikings. Um, so that's the pick that the Vikings traded um, – Stefan Diggs for, and then they just replace him with a, I think, probably a, a going to be a better version of uh, Stefan Diggs. Justin Jefferson has a great skill set. He's a late bloomer. He was, I think they said he was five foot seven uh, when he was like a sophomore or junior in high school, and then like grew to six foot one over a summer. And so he's kind of been like slowly developing, and I, you know, he torched some teams this past year for LSU. Uh, I think that was a great pick. Uh, I didn't think it's going to be around at 22. Uh, this wide receiver class is amazing. I think he's going to be such a valuable player. Uh, we'd we'll love to see him whenever he gets into the slot, um, but I th- he'll he'll be a really good pair for uh, Adam Thielen. And then I really liked um, a couple other players. Um, I mean, I liked Ceedee Lamb for Dallas. Can't I'm not too I'm not too unbiased towards Dallas, but I thought that was a great pick for them. Uh, they get to pair him with Gallup on one side, and then they are also have Amari Cooper. So that'll be a really fun draft, uh, a really fun room. Just they need to sign Dak Prescott once that gets set up. 
Uh, outside of the wide receiver room, I would like, I mean, Kenneth Murray going 23 to the Chargers, I think it's a really good fit for them their system. Um, I love Kenneth Murray. He he destroyed Texas when I watched their film. That was something that I got to see in person. I was like, this is this is annoying, but really really good person, and I like his first name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Jordan. I know you mentioned Arizona maybe being your second favorite team. I do want to say it's it's still good to like the entire league, and like that's like even though you, I I think it's kind of one of those things too. Like to understand football, you have to. Like understand that Texans, you have to understand the league as a whole too, and so I try to watch as much as the league as possible as well to have like a frame of reference for it. So like as of right now, Jordan, who do you think would be your second favorite team? Would it be Arizona. It would definitely be Arizona. They got a lot of players I love. I love Kyler Murray coming out of college. Even some later guys that I was really high on, like Buda Baker, um, Hassan he, he Reddick. Won the league in tackles last year, Buda Baker. He was. I really wanted us to. Draft Did he really him. well? Yeah, he had like 129 yeah, he, or so. He was a bullet back there. That Washington defense was um, – like University of Washington was so good that one year. Oh, yeah. With like Sidney Jones, Buda Baker, Kevin King. They had a, so yeah, good. another corner. Um, I can't remember. But that was a really good defense. But, yeah, Arizona would definitely be my favorite. They got Nuke, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do they got this year? Simmons. Well, and, like, and Christian Kirk's kind of wide receiver number one, too, in his own right. And like I know Larry's, you know, thirty four or whatever, but it's kinda of like they have three number one wide receivers and Kenyon Drake was unbelievable there. Like him and David Johnson played two different sports in that offense. Yeah, they're definitely gonna be a really fun team to watch. I think they're on the come up. I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs, but they're gonna be really fun to watch for sure. That division will be really com uh, really competitive. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I guess Arizona was the worst team in it and they've improved greatly this offseason too and uh, but Los Angeles, I think Los Angeles is kind of like a good reminder of kind of the path Houston's down to where they have an expensive bloated roster and have kind of given out some weird contracts, trade first round draft picks for guys and you, know, you get to pay them eventually. And um, they're kind of had the same situation by tra- trading for Jalen Ramsey where Houston traded for Tunsil. Um, so that's kind of an interesting case study too. So with the Texans, they're about to pick at number 40 tomorrow. Ahead of them is Cincinnati at 33. Indy at 34, Detroit at 35, the Giants at 36, New England at 37, Carolina at 38, Miami at 39, and then Houston at 40. And there's also a, a ton of really good often, uh, defensive players available for them as well, too. Like Personally, I could see Indy, Detroit, New York, New England, Carolina all going front seven. I expect Cincinnati to draft somebody on the offensive line because they do have skilled players set, too, and their defensive line's good. And they have some secondary talent. Um, so, Jordan, do you think Houston would need to – could you see Houston like trading up and all leapfrogging some of these teams to move up and grab a front seven player or a cornerback or even a safety to improve their pass defense? Because I know it kind of felt like a, a big breath of relief that the Texans didn't trade up into the first round today. But I don't think that threat's been you know, entirely quelled just yet. They could very well do the same thing tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'm completely – with you i think there was definitely some smoke to that that rumor about them wanting to trade up and i think the price was too high for them to get into the first round but trading up just about eight picks five to eight picks to get higher up into the second round i think that's definitely something that they would do i don't know what it would take maybe throwing in a fourth or a fifth round pick for them to really go ahead and get their guy that they really love i don't know who that would be um like you said there's a lot of great names up Vanessa, you get to Gross Tomatoes, Zach Bond, Marlon Davidson. 
So I think they could. They're gonna. They definitely have fallen in love with one of their guys, and I think they're gonna. I think there's a good chance that they trade up, honestly, to secure them. You think there's a, a greater chance they trade up or trade down tomorrow? Uh, I've heard a lot of different things. I've heard people tell me that they're gonna trade down. Now the rumor today is that they're gonna trade up. Um, with how the board has fallen and the fact that there's so many first round talents that have fallen into the second round, I think there's a better chance that they trade up now. Interesting. What about you, Ken? Do you think there's a great chance they trade up or down? So I could see there being a lot of action in front of us. Um, all the teams do have a lot of picks, but I think that there's going to be so much value at from picks 33 to 40 that everything's going to change. Um, I can see them trading up if they if they have identified someone who they know won't get past won't get to them at 40. That is going to be a value to the team, but. I would rather them trade back. Um, ultimately, I'd rather them stay put. Uh, I think that there is so much first-round talent that they will have at their disposal at the 40th pick that they should just stay put for, for the first time in Bill O'Brien's like tenure as GM. Don't do anything. Um, I really would love to see them, them stock up on some defensive players. Um, if they do trade back, there would still definitely be like second-round value for them, but I think ultimately the best move is to take advantage of the board that's been given to them. Yeah, yeah, I think for me. I was just gonna, my bad. I was just gonna say, um, I think it's an interesting point too, Kenneth, because it's not only like these seven teams, but like you mentioned, there could be a lot of action in these picks too. Indy's no stranger to trade back; they love to. Uh, remember that same Darnold draft where they trade down, got Quentin Nelson, and then they got three second round picks out of out making that trade down. Uh, you know, three spots or whatever to New York. They trade down last year to uh, the first round to grab multiple second round picks too. Um, so they love to, and then New England loves to trade back as well. So you can even see a team trade up ahead of them. Um, Jordan, do you think there's any wide receivers at all? Teams may want to leapfrog Houston to take, or even some of these running backs. I know DeAndre Swift's still available. Um, Jonathan Taylor's still available. These sort of running backs that were expected maybe to go between you know the pick 26 or so after. Could you see some teams trading up and trying to add uh, some of this top offensive talent and kind of give Houston even some more wiggle room on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I could definitely see a team trading up for um, a wide receiver like Denzel Mims or T. Higgins. I was honestly pretty surprised that Denzel Mims fell out of the first round after he was getting so much hype. And then, like you said, the running backs, um, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. Um, I could definitely see a team trading up for and grab one of those. So hopefully that happens and then more of the defensive talent falls to us. Hopefully we don't have to make a trade. I do like the idea of sitting at 40 not having to waste any more draft capital and um yeah even trading back like i think the sweet spot in the draft is really like the third round i think there's a lot of great value there so that's that's what i hope we do hmm. yeah i i would i would i would rather them just say at 40 because i think like really the way i feel right now is as long as they don't take epineza or Terrell lewis like i'd be happy with uh where they are at 40 and I think one like any anybody's gonna be able to fault him at that spot. So I prefer them to either sit at forty and take somebody or trade back and maybe try to pick up another third round pick or just something like the eighties or nineties and be able to pick it like maybe sixty or so and trade back a little bit later in the second round. That would be uh, my favorite option here. So Kenneth, who so like let's say Houston sticks at forty, who would you want them to pick um tomorrow? So I've been on the Marlon Davidson train for a while. It's always so unique. I always find this one player that I identify really early in the process, and they just kind of like fall and stick, and even as they ebb and flow and where they're going to go, 
in the draft. They're always still on my board. Uh, this year, it's Marlon Davidson. I would love him on our system. Um, you, you wrote a great article about him. I think he would be really great. Uh, the other guy I have, I think, would be good for the team is Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah. Um, I'm sick and tired of watching Utah film, but I could really see Jalen uh, join the Texans. He fits the height, weight, speed that we're looking for and would kind of be a really good second option if Lonnie Johnson doesn't turn out to be anything. Um, I think Jalen would fit well in the system. Um, would also love to see Del Pitt, and I know Del Pitt's uh, one of Jordan's favorite players. Yeah, for me, I went into the draft hoping that there would be three main players that would fall to us in the second round. And in no particular order, Grant Delpit, Zach Bond, and Neville Gallimore. And luckily it happened. It's kind of crazy that they're all still there. Um, so if any one of those three were to fall to 40, I think I would definitely make that pick and I wouldn't trade down because those are some studs that I think can come in and help day one and start for us and really help our pass defense. Uh, so if you could only pick one player, Jordan, who would you pick at 40? Uh, that's really hard. Um, I think I would go... Uh, I would have to go Zach Bond. He's my guy. He's been my guy. I'd have to go with him because of how he impacts all three phases of the defense, how he impacts rushing quarterback, run defense, and pass coverage as well. And I think guys like that, they don't come around very often. And I think he's nuanced in his pass rush skills where he can get you maybe four to five sacks in his rookie year already. And then he'll be a plus on special teams and coverage, like I said. So I think he would definitely be my guy. Yeah, I'm a... Yeah, I know you, you've loved him this entire time. Like, I'm with Kenneth where I want Marlon Davidson. And with me and Davidson, it's kind of like, I don't necessarily think he's going to be the best player out of this group or whatever. Like, he's going to take it 40, but he's my favorite player to watch. And so it's, you know, it's, it's part, you know, ethos is part pathos too. But at the same time, I would love for him to go to Carolina ahead of Houston and be able to play with Derek Brown. Like I mentioned the the friendship earlier too. The other, the other guy I really like at 40 is Yeter Gross Matos because I know everybody loves Epinesa, like for his size and everything. You know, he's 6'6 and 275, whatever. But I think, you know, Gross Matos actually plays up to his size and kind of plays like how, you know, Buckner and Armstead do, where he just overwhelms guys with his size and his size really stands out on the tape. And maybe that's just because he wears all white at Penn State. You look bigger in all white. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but he like really like overwhelms blocks and kind of suffocates running backs and stuff too. I think he has a lot of pass rushing potential there um, to untap. But I would like I would like Marlon Davidson or uh, Gross Matos there at pick number 40. Now, one of the things that we talked about before the show and Bill Bryan talked about last week was he kind of talked about team needs. And he said, you know, some along the lines of, I have it in front of me right now, but the defensive line is important, even the safety position. And one of the things that I thought was kind of surprised in the interview was he said he felt good about the cornerback room. And the cornerback room, I think, still lacks talent. You know, like Bradley Roby's a really good cornerback, but he's never going to be a number one corner on a great pass defense. Lonnie Johnson's Kentucky video was bad. Um, he was one of the worst cornerbacks in football last year, but he has great size. He has great speed. It's just going to take some time for him to learn the position potentially, but there's still a lot of projection there. Gary and Conley got beat a lot of man coverage, but he was able to come back and play the ball and was really good at doing that, which all great cornerbacks do. But like, how much will that vary year to year um, if you get beat in coverage that many times? Hargreaves is bad. Um, they also <laughs> they also resigned Philip Gaines too. And so like, there's a lot of names, there's a lot of bodies there, but I don't think the position is really like complete at all. I still think cornerback could be a good pick to take their number 40. And so I know Kenneth mentioned um, Jalen earlier. 
Jordan, what are some like cornerbacks you could see Houston targeting there at number 40 based on who's available? I think the top guys left are Jalen Johnson, like you mentioned, Kenneth, and then Christian Fulton from LSU, and then Trevon Diggs from Alabama. I think people are pretty controversial on him. Some people say he's a first-round talent. Some people say he's a third-round talent. But those are definitely the top three guys. I think if they were all there on the board, the one that I would pick would be, I'd probably go in order, Christian Fulton, Jalen Johnson, and then Diggs. If we were to go cornerback, I'm a little bit more confident in Lonnie Johnson and his ability to improve. And maybe that's just an illogical um, kind of emotional decision off my part. But I want to see what he's got. I definitely would want to take a cornerback later in the draft, though, to compete with them. But uh, yeah, those are the top guys available so far. Uh, so in this draft, like past the second round tomorrow, Houston will pick at number 90 in round number three. As long as no trades happen, they kind of stay put. Um, at that pick number 90, Kenneth, are there any sort of third-round picks that you like? And even for the rest of the weekend, are there any you know, fourth- to seven-round sleepers that you'd like to see Houston take um, for the rest of the weekend? Yeah, I think we're entering this draft we're in a really good position. Um, that's a great question. There are some really good players in this draft. I'm trying to find my my list. Uh, I really like um, you like uh, more Utah players. Bradley and I, that's another player that pops up. Um, Jonathan Grenard. Uh, who's more the defensive end from Florida? He had some really good film. He's not going to wow you with anything. Doesn't have any like built-in pass rush moves, but he he's really good at kind of like setting the edge, making sure that he's he's kind of the calm in the storm, uh, and really helped Florida out in his senior year. Uh, another defensive end I loved was Alton Robinson. Uh, he was such a built guy. You're not going to get around him. He was one of my. Uh, he'll be uh, someone that will be uh, available at like the then. 90th pick or probably even later uh, but this draft has got a lot of talent like throughout I would really like to see them maybe take a, a guy at wide receiver as late as possible someone just to add to the talent room uh, someone that I've identified with is like Antonio Gandy Golden who is this Liberty player uh, he's going to be available in the mid round but he's been popping up on draft boards he's like this tall six six foot four wide receiver from when he really didn't develop until much later into his college career, but I think he's really got some high stock value. Yeah, for me, <clears throat> um, there's definitely a lot of guys that I like. I think for at 90, if we don't get an interior defensive lineman to, at 40, then Jordan Elliott would be my guy for that. Um, I also like a linebacker that we could use, a good coverage linebacker, is Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian State. I think he's a freak athlete. I think he's one of the best coverage linebackers in the draft. He's kind of one of those weak side linebackers like Cunningham where you don't want him taking on blocks, but I think he'd be mainly playing on third downs, coming in on nickel and dime packages, and he can cover running backs out the backfield. He can do zone coverage stuff, and he even showed a little bit of ability to rush off the edge. So I think he'd be a really high potential pick. Definitely one of my sleepers. Um, and then maybe to, to go to the offensive side of the ball, I like Van Jefferson a lot as a wide receiver, maybe in the fourth round. I think he's the best route runner in the class, and I think we need someone like that who can just get open and doesn't have to be schemed open. And then my last guy who'd be more of like a fifth to a seventh round pick is running back DJ Dallas. I still kind of see running back as a need for us because I don't believe in David Johnson whatsoever, unfortunately. I love Duke Johnson, but he's not really that workhorse back, and I think Dallas can be that. He can take those runs straight up the middle. He's a tough runner. He can pound the A-gap like Bill O'Brien wants a really good contact balance and agility and he's the best pass blocking running back for my money in this 
class too and he plays special teams everything he can return kicks so i think he'd be a really great late pickup do y'all think we're going to go offensive lineman at any point <sighs> i could see us taking a guard like an interior guy to maybe replace fulton but if we take a tackle i'll be pretty upset <laughs> My uh, my interior guard is Shane Lameau from uh, Oregon. I really enjoyed his tape. Uh, he's a run first guy, cannot pass block to save his life, but you know, he was he was part of an amazing Oregon offensive line. Yeah, uh, the one thing I noticed about Oregon's O line is that they all worked really well together with their mm-hmm. combo blocking and picking up stunts and stuff like that. And um, yeah, for me, my guard who I want to replace Fulton is Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. The, the dude is nasty. He's just he'll block you way past the whistle. Like he's probably gonna get fined for some things in the league. And I think he's a really great run blocker and he's a pretty good pass blocker. The one thing he needs to clean up is just some of his technique. He, he tends to not get his hands inside of defensive lineman's chest instead of kind of just doing like a catch technique where he kind of like hugs them. Um, so, but the thing is that he was successful in doing that in college. Like he just had the pure strength that even though he didn't get his hands inside, he could still push people around. So if he cleans that up, it'll be even better. Yeah, that's interesting. And like I, uh, I, and Fulton's probably the worst player on the offensive line, but I'm good yeah. at Fulton for this year just because if this, like, as of right now, this is the first time Houston's going to have like their week one offensive line and know who it is, like really like going into the summer, and they really haven't had that since I guess like 2016 or I guess 2015. And even in 15, they were injured, and it took, you know, like, until that Cincinnati game to have the offensive line all the way together. So I like the idea of the continuity, but I would be good drafting, you know, guard in the fifth or sixth round or whatever, the fourth round even, just so you can replace Fulton a year afterwards. Um, and it'd be kind of weird. They they do already have, like, that mishmash of styles where you have kind of, like, a, a good zone blocking side on the left side and a power blocking side on the right side, which is bizarre and kind of strange in some ways, but it works out. I'll make sure to watch uh, DJ Dallas, Vance Jefferson, Lemieux and Stedberg uh, sometime this weekend to kind of get an idea of what you guys are looking for for those guys because I haven't heard of them. I did watch uh, Davis Gaither earlier. I really enjoyed watching him play. He's really fluid, like you mentioned. He he, I think he's kind of underrated as a pass rusher. He has a really good inside move and he knows how to take on you know outside half side shoulders and he just he just looks really comfortable in coverage. You know, it's not like McKinney where he's kind of a Frankenstein monster out there, like real herky jerky with this movement. Um, I think that'd be a good pick in the mid rounds of this draft too. Yeah, I love him. I love, like you said, his pass rush. He showed his the one game I saw against really good competition. He played against South Carolina, and he was really good at setting up his speed rush at first on the outside, and then he'd have that counter move inside where he'd chop down on the offensive tackle's hands, and he got a nice sack out of it. So yeah, I'm really. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he'd be a great pick too. Yeah, he may be like a bargain version of Josh Yuki if he goes earlier in the draft, like. Some people kind of expect him maybe go early, late first round or early second round, uh, which didn't happen tonight. But maybe he goes between picks like thirty-two through sixty. Maybe you can get some like Davis after that point. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 I guess for like final thoughts, the biggest thing I feel is like as long as it's not Epineza or Terrell Lewis at forty, I'd be kind of happy. Like I'd be good with you know Greeters Mottos or Marlon Davidson or Blacklock, or even a cornerback, or even a safety, even though I think safety is more of a luxury position, whether it's Delpit or Antoine Winfield Jr. And I think Delpit is a better contrast to uh, what Justin Reed currently does, but I think Winfield's a, a really good player too. And same thing with Ashton Davis, but as long as it's not, like, as long as it's not Lewis or Epineza, I don't, I don't really dig either of those players, but the rest of these kind of interior and edge players we talked about, even Bond included too, 
um, I'd be happy with at 40. And so I hope that they stay there at 40 and they take one of those guys. And I hope some trades happen in front of Houston where they take wide receivers and running backs and try to get that depth right off the offensive position. Um, what are your final thoughts, Jordan? I think, yeah, in terms of players that I wouldn't want, I really don't want, like you said, Terrell Lewis. I don't want Justin Matabuike. Those are two of the top guys that they've met with a lot. I just, I really don't see it with them. I think they're a lot more potential than their production right now. And then I would really hate if we took a running back at 40. I think a lot of fans would like that. They see Jonathan Taylor. They see um, DeAndre Swift falling, and they want a running back. But I just, I just can't spend any more high draft capital on a running mm-hmm. back. I, I couldn't do it. I'd be so upset if they did that. Oh, it'd be absurd. Like, it'd be as absurd imagine. as some of the other stuff they've done. You know, like, you could probably put on the same level as trading Hopkins or Clowney or trading for Tunsil whenever you take mm-hmm. into account all the other moves they made to take a running back at number two, especially because you can find good running backs after, like, your, uh, your are calling A.J. Dillon. And that Florida State linebacker running back, I've watched him a little bit today, too, and he can really make a lot of nothing. And you know, he may be there in the fourth or fifth round also, and you can't take a running back at 40. I love Cam Akers, but there's yeah. no way we can take him. Like, if it would be insanity at this point. I think if he fell to... Not even 90. I wouldn't even want him at 90. If he was there at 111, then I would start thinking about it. But yeah, I like him a lot too. But yeah, running back is a no for me. <laughs> I, I do not. I, I If we take Ross Blackhawk, I think that's a huge bust. Uh, he looks like a hedgehog. He, he kind of like dips his head. He doesn't even know what he's hitting. He's just like going to ram into two players and take up space. But he cannot two-gap, and we need that in our system, especially when you have players like J.J. Watt and Whitney Morsellis who are going to kind of like freelance and create all this space. He, he doesn't do anything. Um, I also don't like Matabuke. I don't think he'd be a great system fit. Um, and then if we take Diggs with the cornerback from Alabama, I think that could be another bust for us. Yeah, I don't he, like him very much. He just yeah. kind of is like the next athlete out of Alabama. He doesn't really do much. Um, so there are definitely some pitfalls in front of us, but there's a really good board right now for us. Yeah, it, it did break really well, and tomorrow should be a lot of fun, and the rest of it can be fun, because this is sports now, you know, this is this is kind of all we got, because uh, I did miss the WMA draft on accident, and the stock market's done nothing but hurt my feelings, so this is the, the pinnacle of sports until the world goes back to hopefully some semblance of normal, um, but that's our show for tonight, may, we may be able to do one tomorrow after rounds two and three ends, who knows, and then if not, we'll be back on, you know, early next week. Uh, to talk about kind of the entirety of the Texans draft and give some time to watch all uh, all these picks that they make, even the three picks in the seventh rounds they currently have. But until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Valorant Radio. Thank you for being on tonight, Jordan and Kenneth, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the draft and the rest of your weekend.